0: Hey everybody and welcome to the Not Boring Business Podcast. I'm your host, Jeremy Redman, founder of YourV1.com. This is not suits and handshakes business. This is not boring business. Let's go. my guest is the wonderful john tabas t- is it t- tabas or tabas tabas okay it. dude uh we were just talking before uh about your incredible resume and linkedin profile and one thing i want to do is you can highlight who you are and put it out there what you do and then we'll we'll get into it
1: sure yeah so um I'm founder and CEO of the Books Company. That's b o u q s dot com, which is an online flower delivery service. We connect farmers around the world that do it the right way, meaning sustainable flowers, responsible labor, uh, to end consumers, so they can surprise and delight their loved ones in a way that is both good for them and for the planet. <laughs> Absolutely. Okay, so that's that's the Bouqs Company. Yeah. Books Company, Bouqs or Bouqs. Uh, it depends on where you're from. It sounds like you say Bokes, naturally. I do say So Bokes. it would be the Bokes company for you, but for the 80-ish percent of people in the country that say Books, it'd be Books. The Bouquet. Yeah, if you're, Did, are you from the South? No, I'm from Michigan. Huh. Midwest. Normally, Bokes people are Southern. Bokeh. So. Oh hmm. my god, that's yeah. funny. You're a bouquet person instead of a bouquet person.
0: So, <laughs> I 100% am. And I'm a, I'm a great customer. I appreciate I, it. I, and part of it is because I love you as a person. Right. Like it's that personal brand piece. It's the and I, I talk a lot about this in the community. It's like personality selling. Yep. Like people people buy my products a lot of times we've been able to get traction on early products like startups that I've started because people like me and then they trust the product. Right. So like I feel like you've done that as well to a certain point and one thing I want to do is go into uh, the first time we met in at your office, you were relatively nobody. Now you've blown up. I don't know all about that, but <laughs> certainly further than we were at the time. Yeah, right. And you had a nice you had a nice office. I think you would you would ra- you just done Shark Tank. There's yep. a little after Shark Tank or Shark Tank had aired or something. Yep. And about year two. Year two? Oh yeah. so it was year two. Yeah. Okay. And you had a nice office right there on, was it Washington? Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And you gave me some of the greatest advice of all time. And I, it it has meant so much to me up until this point. This is amazing. Tell me
1: what great advice I gave because I don't remember giving it. All (laughs)
0: right. So you said, uh, you went to high school with 2000 people. You asked me how many people did you go to high school with? I said, I don't know, like 2,500 in my class, whatever. You said hit up every single person on Facebook messenger from high school and to ask them will you use this yep this means the world to me this is everything i've ever worked for
1: individual messages correct no blasting
0: no blasting yeah individual and i have done that ever since with every pivot i've ever made and i have gotten traction and we just got in some little accelerator and raised our first like little round of money like and some venture capital
1: yeah congrats
0: thank you that's super exciting And it was all because of your advice. Oh, that's great. No shit. And it's all... And I go, wow, what a great advisor, this John... This John Tavis guy is at the boat. I think I'm better at advising than doing. Do <laughs> you, I really you think, think I am? Yeah. yeah, yeah. I think your company would beg to differ, but uh, like absolutely. I don't know.
1: Yeah, no. I, 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 so I have a whole thing I do at like business schools and stuff when I talk to students about starting a company because everyone thinks that you have to raise money to get people to use your product. Right. And the the real answer is you only get money once people are already using your product. And so right. you can't wait until you have the money from someone. You
0: it's a chicken or egg problem. That's exactly that's exactly the point is like, I always say you should chase revenue, not venture capital. That's right. Not investors.
1: If you can't get customers without I mean, granted, it depends on the type of product, right? If you need a million dollars to do R&D, that's different. But if you have a sellable product and you can produce it on your own and you can't create customers without the money, you're probably not going to get the money
0: yeah they're
1: looking for someone who can make it happen without the cash they want to see that your brand your product you yourself as a marketer
0: as an entrepreneur as a spokesperson as a whatever can find a way to revenue without it absolutely i think i think that's really important especially like getting like going forward how how would how has that helped the the box company
1: yeah i mean when we started we had our i learned this only through having no other choice so mm-hmm. you know i was just talking to some guys yesterday i'm advising them on a, on sort of the side for their really cool beer business. And uh, I was, they were like, yeah, we got some capital together. I was like, oh, cool, friends and family around, huh? They're like, yeah. I was like, in my head, I'm going, like, maybe it's 50 grand, maybe 100 yeah, yeah. grand. They're like, $350,000. Fuck that. I was like, wow, you. your friends are so rich compared to my <laughs> friends and family. Like, I got, like, I like have, my friends and family around was $13,000. Dude. That have, was it. And by the way, me and my co-founder put in eight of that, which means nice. the real friends and family gave us five grand. <laughs> right? I which I'm that. still super thankful for. right? But we didn't have a choice. We there was no way to create revenue with five
0: grand in the bank. It was just impossible. So we just figured it out. Dude, I the the craziest story I have ever had that's like that story, is there were some guy came up to me and was like, "Yeah, we raised a friends and family round." I go, "Shit, well, you 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 obviously raised a venture round." Like, cause I'm I'm seeing it right. I'm in an office, so, and I go, "Oh, so how big was the was the friends and family round?" a million dollars yeah <laughs> yeah that's not friends who no. the fuck are you hanging yeah, yeah. out with who's like, your dad who's your uncle yeah 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 dude i had it's funny because like i have uh rich family members but none have put into the like oh, the yeah, company.
1: people are afraid of i mean the if, if regular joe is like not gonna be like oh yeah here's the hundred grand for how much do you need to have
0: to lose <laughs> yeah. one million <laughs> to just be
1: fine with it yeah right okay. and go eh. a million bucks so what <laughs> no i so my whole my whole pitch on that is what you need to scale any consumer business in the beginning is two things a great story and hustle Absolutely. and that's it yeah. and you can start off here you go, there you go there go the sign hey. hey with uh you start off with just personal relationships and then you just move outward from that so yeah. you start with the one-on-one messages on facebook or emails and then you go to your listservs and your personal networks then you, go, and you just sort of inch your way out right and as long as you have a really great story and you're hustling it those people will care because you know i always talk to I always get these entrepreneurs come to me like, okay, so I have a product, here's my website, you can order, and I'll be like, what are sales? And they're like, $200 a month. And I'm like, okay, so (laughs) has your mom bought from you yet? Yeah, 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 And they're always like, no, my mom's not into my product. And I was like, I don't care. Yeah, yeah, right. You go to your mom and be like, mom, buy my stuff, please. I'm your son, I'm your daughter, right? And I'm like, if you're not willing to do that, you're not willing to sell, and if you're not willing to sell, you're gonna go nowhere. You're gonna have $200 a month forever. Dude, I, (laughs) John this is like, go get it.
0: Go, yeah, go get it. Go get it. One time. Let me tell you this. This is funny. So it was, this was around the time that we met. And I feel actually really bad about this story. But this is the level I go to. This is the deepest worst I go. So I uh, was doing this. The I think around the time we met, I was doing this like drink subscription where people would pay like 10, 15 bucks a month or something like that. And i would give them discounts on drinks and then i would just like sell the receipts that's how i made money hmm. and when you told me to contact everyone i was like all right, fuck, right i'll do it like I'll, I'll contact literally every single person that i know and i made a bet with a friend and i said let's streak this right let's see how many just one person per day let's see where we can go and my buddy made it two days and I made it 72 days straight. Wow. 72 days straight and I used my mom as a reserve. <laughs> so, if you were really like struggling that day? Yeah. Like, "Hey mom, can you fill in?" Okay, fine. Correct. If it you. was 11:35, <laughs> right? And here's how this went that this went down. Uh, uh, so, I, I was it. like 20. I started it in early December and I think this was this was New Year's Eve.
1: Yeah, that's a tough one. So right? no
0: one is going to do it. Yeah. No one is going to do it today. Yep. You know what I mean? And everyone's out partying. People, you're at New York. I'm traveling. I'm doing whatever. Right. And I go you gotta no, watch no, Ryan Seacrest. Right.
1: Watch the ball drop. <laughs> right. Go to sleep at nine. Yep. I mean, that's what I do on New Year's right. Eve. And I'm yeah,
0: yeah, I'm I'm late. <laughs> uh, we, my wife and I missed the ball drop because we were just sleeping. Oh yeah, know? I haven't seen the actual ball drop in years. <laughs> <laughs> I watched the recording. Yeah, yeah. So this was obviously a couple of years ago, and. I meet my wife and I went to uh, I think it was just like Fuddruckers or something and as we're it's walking in isn't it it's good milkshake. God, it is so we're walk, we're we coming out we're walking it is 11 o'clock or something our time and I go oh my god I have an hour so I hit up a couple of people I had multiple people that were like I'll do it tomorrow I'll do it tomorrow I'll do it tomorrow I'm like fuck today but today today yes I need it today, yeah, street, I need it today. Yeah. and I called my mom I could not get a hold of my mom you starting to panic I'm panicking I'm panicking to the point of I'm cussing out my wife in on the street this part's not funny I love she knows she's on knows. the street and I'm like no shut the fuck up just go in there go in there I need to make this call I need to make this say I need to do this today like this is my assholiness. And my mom, I'm freaking out. I'm not having fun anymore today. The day is ruined. I'm so dejected. My mom calls me at 1152. And I go, mom, mom, use your debit card. She goes, can you do it? And I said, no, no, no. No, that's not not how this goes. Yeah, right. (laughs) I said, you do it, you go on here, you do this. And she hit it 1157 that day. Oh,
1: God bless your mom. And
0: she extended my streak. That would have been day like 29 or 30 or something. And I had a streak of 72 days to where the street got boring. Uh, <laughs> do you know what I mean? Take that. Right? Uh, yeah. So like, I don't know that that's your advice. I became an asshole. Gotta go get it. Because of your advice.
1: No, it's all my fault. <laughs> You're a jerk because of me.
0: <laughs> awesome. So like that's it's one thing where I go. I really believe you have to just have zero pride. Sell everyone you possibly can
1: 100 percent. And if you don't do it, no one will. Right, Unless you have a product that is so naturally viral, which happens like never, right? If you have Uber, you don't need to sell it. If you have Bird, you don't need to sell it because the product sells itself, right? Right. But that's not most consumer products. Most consumer products need someone to get out in the world, especially the very beginning, and say, this is worth your time and here's why. And I think that's you said you know you mentioned earlier like you have to be good at that you have to be willing to do it and then you have to be good at it or right. you need someone on your team who's going to be good at it absolutely and your, your personal brand can get people involved whether it's speaking at things or talking to people at one-on-ones
0: or whatever you can get that thing happening in those early days and you have to absolutely no one else to do it i i think in tell me here let, let's go back and forth on this i've had friends that have discounted me for the way i make those early sales so like i beg borrow and steal to get any early sales any early tractions things that i can do i think it's like i i make deal i may buy barter with people i will do this for you if you do this and i've had people like accuse me that's not the way to do and i'm like is there a fucking way no sales are sales right this
1: was the thing like so our first month of books we did eight thousand dollars in sales right Uh. and of that probably 70% Seventy percent of it were people I knew personally. Got you. So one, I have a big network, so yeah. that helped. Sure. Um, and two, I was able to convince people that that like me already to buy something that I cared a lot about. Right. So no one went back later and said, "Oh, you really only got two thousand dollars of sales." <laughs> yeah. Like that's not. that's <laughs> yeah. not how it works. Right. There's eight thousand dollars revenue. it's Eight thousand yep. dollars revenue. My mom could have bought every single one of those bouquets personally. Right. It's still eight thousand dollars revenue.
0: How was the next month? Like how, twelve. How was that month okay? So how did you use that the, that first $8,000 in sales to get like the next month? Well, the biggest
1: thing was everyone, everyone tried it because they were my friend, but right, everyone yeah. bought again because ah. it was awesome, right? All of a sudden they were like, wow, the flowers really did come from a volcano. And wow, they lasted two weeks and it was really affordable. Okay, I'll do that again, wow. right? And so a lot of it was repeat orders. And then they also, for both the personal relationship and loving the product, they started, you know, Posting about it on Facebook, posting about it on Twitter, using the referral program, just sort of doing all the natural, organic yeah. things that happen. Um, at the same time, so you know, in my in my in my MBA sort of class teaching thing, I talk about how you 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 branch out from the personal. So the first month was all the personal it was one to one emails, then listservs, then Facebook, then LinkedIn, um, and then getting into like broader networks. But then the second month was all about influencers. And it wasn't even called influencers at the time. It's 2012. No yeah. one even used the word. But just people that other people listened to and ended up with PR and that kind of stuff. So in like month two, we were in Daily Candy. Which oh, Which is really? like back then the holy grail of marketing to women. Yeah, and sure. Then, and then three weeks later How did you that,
0: get into marketing candy? Like how did you- Into Daily Candy? What did you- Sorry, yeah. yeah. How, how did you get in? What did yeah. you
1: do? So- a buddy of mine worked at an ad agency in town called Deutsch, and they have PR resources. Okay. And so I asked him to like just pull a list of everyone that would be relevant. And so we did that, and we just blasted them from an email address. And that didn't do all that much, but I think we might have gotten a little bit here and there. But then I also just looked at my network and said, who do I know that has worked or currently works at a publication that people care about? Mm. And I reached out to those people and said, hey, like, do you know anybody there that might be interested in this pitch? Sure. And I did that five, six, seven times. And one of the guys, his name was Wit. Uh, he was the CFO at my previous company that I'd left Shoe Dazzle. Not that he's at full screen. Yeah.
0: Just by first name, I know that. Yeah, well, Whit- my wife works at full The bomb. Yeah, well, yeah. He's yeah. like the best guy. Yeah, sure.
1: And so I pitched him on my company idea. I I'd left Shoe Dazzle maybe two months prior, like okay. just just to go get this off the ground. I was like, hey, here's my business idea. You know, I'd I'd love it if you know somebody back there. And he was like, Oh yeah, I know. an editor, like, yeah. puts me in introduce introduces quick email exchange quick phone call and i'm like hey look we ship flowers from an active volcano to your loved one they're sustainable blah blah, blah. here's a picture she's like i must be the first to write about this it was live like 24 hours later and really? then the great thing about that what happens in that moment is then because one i skipped all the layers like i'm straight to the editor yeah right with by the way an endorsement from someone that she really respects yeah and so it, it it's not like i'm coming in like through the regular path. It's just like trying to raise money. You don't cold email Andreessen Horowitz. It's not going to work out, right? So I I cut to the front of the line and then I had a message and a story that really resonated with her personally and no one had written about us. And so being the first, she was like, awesome. And so she's like, let's do it. Here, I'm going to put this picture up here. And boom, like all of a sudden then the next month with $40,000 and then a hundred. And then off it went.
0: You took that, that article netted you like
1: well not just that article, right? All the things. Sure. sure. But we went, you know, we did eight, twelve, forty, a hundred thousand. That was that was our first four months of revenue.
0: Okay. So that that even seems idyllic. You know it, what I mean?
1: Yeah, at the time it felt like it's just what's supposed to happen. Yeah. But having now seen a bunch of startups, right. That's that's pretty unique and we felt you know I, looking back on it we were very lucky that we hit we hit sort of a couple things in the right way we got the early traction we hit the brand right on the yeah, nose yeah, yeah. we got some really great endorsements early our product when it arrived was really loved yeah. we, you know we did a good job in those that the sort of launch period
0: i think i think that's one thing where did you actually have like a launch party? Well, like, were you actually? Hey, we're launched. This is our first month.
1: No, going. I mean, we were. We weren't even really a company. So yeah. at the time we launched, it was I was working on it full time while also caring for my nine-month-old child because my perfect. wife had had to make it rain. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, in public education.
0: <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Um, we education. had an
1: intern at UCLA who was our developer. We had my creative director who was working part time while work, working at Deutsch. He was working like a couple hours a week. Wow. We had a marketing guy doing Facebook and stuff uh, on nights and weekends. And we had my mom doing customer service back in Pittsburgh, you know, coming out <laughs> of retirement in her late 60s. Yeah, right. And that was the whole company. So if we had a launch party, it would have been like me and like the <laughs> part time intern. <laughs> that would have been
0: like the whole company, dude. So when did things turn? When did things turn on? Where people were like coming up to you? And obviously, you're a great advisor. And are you bringing up all these startups that people like come up to you and ask for your advice. I'd like to think I'm I'm one of the first you ever talked with or talked with, forgot about. It's whatever. pretty early. But yeah, it was pretty early. But like, dude, yeah. I you helped me. How, how many other startups do you think that you've helped that have gotten along? And you're like, dude, I am able to pay for some staff, pay for office space, all this stuff bootstrapped. It's amazing. On Sunset Boulevard. That's amazing. You know what I mean? Because your advice. That's amazing. It's gold. And now I need to put what, you. Where'd you go mindset. to high school? high school? Yeah, yeah. Grand Ledge High School. Grand Ledge.
1: What was the mascot?
0: Uh Comet. What's up, Comets? <laughs> That's the whole audience, right? That is. What's up, Comets? Yeah, you know, it's so. Glen funny. Ledge High. <laughs> I need the not boring button, bro. <laughs> Damn it. I, should, I ran out of batteries. Oh, oh boy. Okay. Um but yeah, I think I when I listen to this, they have I have a huge following in like Michigan and I have a huge following in Los Angeles. So yeah, yeah. And nothing in between. Yeah. Like <laughs> I have I have like international, like I see all the dots from all over the place. You know, There's like,
1: a random person in Istanbul, yeah, Turkey, right. who's like M- Yeah, hustle. <laughs> yeah, not boring.
0: <laughs> Mistakingly found it, and I go, "Okay, yeah, that's that yeah."
1: I, I help a decent number of startups. I mean, I, you I don't have
0: a, a killer fucking LinkedIn.
1: Yeah, I like, I I've, I've built that thing over Where have a while. You been? Yeah, so my career is one of I think really great happenstance and and a lot of clear passion for me. So. Yeah um out of out of undergrad i went to notre dame um and i thought i was gonna go into like investment banking kind of sell side equity stuff but i found it boring so yeah 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 there we go i decided midway through senior year like not gonna do that yeah um and so i was just trying to figure out what the heck to do and my cousin had happened to work at mckinsey he was like three, okay. four years older than me. And he was like, you should check out Management Consulting. I was like, great, this sounds cool. And I went there and met the people and I was like super into it. Um, went through the process with Bain, McKinsey, BCG, got an offer at Bain, got dinged at the others. So I went to Bain. Yeah. Um, just so happened, one of my really good friends from high school went to the same office. He's now a partner in the San Francisco office. What's up, Pete? Um, and uh, it was like the best two years. We just had a great time. We we worked 90 hours a week. We partied the, literally the entire rest of the time i think about it as like the debaucherous 70s in a way like it was the things that happened in the early 2000s in consulting do not happen anymore it was awesome um and then you know the bubble burst and all of a sudden there weren't that many jobs and i found myself jobless and but it was like the best summer of my life because i was i was like 22 or something sure and I, I didn't want to get a job right away because it was summertime in Chicago, which mm. is like the best
0: Wait, So you're from Chicago? No, from Pittsburgh. Okay, got you. Went to Notre
1: Dame, moved to Chicago f- okay. for the Bain job. And, uh, and so to, to the like great consternation of my parents, I was like, they're like, what are you going to do now? Like you need a job. And I was like, nah, I want to figure <laughs> it out. I was, so I, <laughs> my summer consisted of, I was essentially a almost unpaid assistant director on a, a terrible independent film. It was like, it were was, you? Yeah, it was horrible. But okay. it was, it was You've like a horror film. Or yeah, yeah. I, I love I love storytelling. And awesome. I thought this is what I want to do next. Sure. So I did that. I coached soccer because I grew up a soccer player. So I coached girls under 15, like competitive cup soccer for the summer. <laughs> sure. And I walked dogs. And hey. I, I really walked a dog. I had one client. And his name was Amstel. And he was this amazing dog that peed all over himself every time I walked in the door. <laughs> uh, but but essentially, what I did was I walked the dog to meet girls. Oh. It was a puppy. I would take it to the beach, and I would be paid to have this cute dog, which allowed me to meet women, and it was the best. That's what I mean. That was my summer. Yep, and go. I was in a band at the time, too, which was not making us any money. It was losing us money. But I was like, I'm going to be a creative guy. But really, it was like, I'm just going to – just with between unemployment and this stuff, I'm just going to hold water. I'm not going to lose money. And mm. I just sort of like stayed afloat. I ate mac and cheese almost every meal. I bought all my beer in bulk at like Costco and drank before we went out. And I only went out to like $20 all-you-can-eat nights, all-you-can-drink nights, because that's all I could afford. I did that for like three months, um, but I loved the storytelling part of the film stuff, but knew I wasn't going to make any money. And I wasn't down for like the life of a struggling independent artist. So I got a job in advertising. And I was really lucky because one of the partners at the firm I went to had worked extensively with um, Bain. Most people didn't in advertising didn't even know what it was. Like I went to Didn't know what Bain was. No. Okay. I went to like one of the big ones, I can't remember the name of it in, in Chicago, and they were like, You can start as an intern. And I was like, No. Yes, yeah, sir. I'm not gonna do that. Yeah, thanks a lot. So I go into this independent agency. I was a senior account supervisor, ran an account for Gerber Baby, it was a hundred million dollar account for two years. Okay. And what I learned about that was like I really liked the creative process, but I didn't love account management. I wanted Man. to make the decisions, not be like, please make a good decision yep. and then find out they wouldn't, and I'd be frustrated. And so then I was like, all right, so I love this storytelling stuff. I'd hate the cold. Like one day I was standing on the L, the brown line in Chicago, and I had this jacket that my mom got me that was literally the rated customer support. employee. Yes, yeah, yeah. employee number one in customer service. Still works for us to like 10 hours a week.
0: No way. She does. She loves it. What a wonderful. She loves it. Yeah.
1: Um, but uh, she bought me this jacket that was rated to like good for mi- to minus 40. And I was still freezing. And I was like I have a minus 40 jacket and I'm still freezing. I got to get the F out of Chicago. Yeah, yeah. And so when I looked at business school, I was like LA's perfect. Hollywood is there, storytelling, media, all that kind of great stuff, also warm weather, and if I hate it, I can always move back to the Midwest. Sure. So came out here, went to Anderson, um, studied there with a whole focus on entertainment the whole way. Uh, thought I was going to get into producing and sort of be the That's business guy. That's fucking
0: cool, John. I didn't know that entertainment side of MBA. Yeah, I, I was, was.
1: Like, super focused on it. It's all I did. I worked at Vivendi Universal for the summertime I like really wanted to produce stuff because I figured it was like I could be creative but like I'm a business guy so like close enough right yeah you know all that kind of stuff. I get it Um, but I think
0: you're my personal hero now (laughs) continue well I failed at it so (laughs) I don't know you suck at that
1: well I didn't I didn't suck at it it's just I couldn't figure out a way to get into it in a way that was compelling enough for me at the time because I was about to get engaged I needed a salary Mm. and so my Fallback, quote unquote, fallback was corporate strategy at Disney, which.
0: (laughs) That's the fallback. Yeah. Yeah, right. Which
1: was like, okay, at least I'll be in the studio system in entertainment. I'll be viewed then as an entertainment guy and I can work my way over to the producing side. Problem is, is like the ex Bain, McKinsey, BCG consultant people at Disney corporate strategy never lose the title of suit. Um, ever sure right? like you just don't right so like i would like reach out to people in animation and be like let's have lunch and they'd be like that's kind of weird suit guy that like pulls all the and i'm like i'm not the suit guy i had a film two years like doesn't yeah, matter sure, i had right. a band like doesn't yeah. matter right you're <laughs> branded who and this is the biggest thing i learned about personal branding was like you are what your resume says you are mm-hmm. and and that mm. became a big challenge so i was there for six years i loved it i had a great boss she now works at a startup in montana okay you know Mecca of yeah, startups sure. in Montana, right? <laughs> the hotbed, yes, hot the hotbed. Hot that's what it's known. She now. found the one legit startup in Montana and went to be like their CMO or something. What she's is this? Her name's Bonnie Matisich, by the way. Um, hey, Bonnie, and she's complete rock star. What is the startup? Um, I, I don't know. Oh, okay. I can't remember. Yeah, but but she just launched one. a restaurant too. You, you she's Google like, startup in Montana. It's the one. She's the one that comes. Crunchbase <laughs> Montana this <laughs> one that's showing up, and there's a picture of Bonnie. <laughs> um, but. But anyway, so I spent six years there and I loved it. It was great. But I really wanted to like, I wanted to scratch this itch to like create something and build something and tell these stories. But I didn't think I was going to do it in Hollywood because I just didn't know how to get it off the ground. Mm -hmm. And and so a buddy of mine, Andy Dunn, had founded Bonobos. Um, He literally had started it. He was my roommate in Chicago, you know, years before he started it. He started it like selling the pants at my wedding. Like my whole family calls Andy Dunn from Bonobos Pants Man. No way. Everyone calls him Pants Man. So he stood there funny. with a bag and was like, "Hey, hey, look at these tiger striped, you know, <laughs> yeah, you know right. really good fitting pants." And my family's just like, "Who's this dude hawking pants?" But right. that, again, no shame in selling. Right. And that's that, I don't like, think you can have any. No, you shame. can't. You can't. And and he sold some, like, not to my family, but to random people yeah, at this sure. resort. We're wow. At. Um, but anyway, I went to him and was like, "How do you like do this? How do you like start a company?" He's just like, "You just do it." And I was like, "That's like such horseshit. You can't just start a company." Uh. And he's like, "Or, or you do." <laughs> and it was such a frustrating yeah, advice right. but it was
0: totally right no, I love that advice. but
1: I wasn't ready to do that so I went and took a job at Shoe Dazzle to see like if I liked the world because I'd never been in it. I'd been Bain and Disney like as big mm-hmm. you know fortune 50 right right so you're 200,000 employees and I want to go to like three right. and I, but I have no idea if I'm gonna like that so I go to Shoe Dazzle which at the time was like 120 really great people Deb Benton um, one of my best friends in the world and on my board now was there Brian Lee inspiring founder like a million times over L- loved watching him work and, and I found myself a weekend being like, Oh, this is awesome. Mm. So I do want to start something, but I need something to start. Sure. Um, and so that was sort of my journey. And then my co-founder and I started talking about books and we launched, how did you
0: meet your co-founder?
1: So we met, we started a band in college called sexual chocolate and it was
0: yeah. Damn it. I'm regretting not putting this fucking not boring button.
1: You can just yell, not boring,
0: not boring. (laughs) Now that's interesting.
1: So, so I guess, I guess you'll see maybe in the conversation a trend which is like i'm always like try shit yeah i'm always just like the worst thing can happen is that it fails miserably so you just try shit and and actually that's bad right now in my startup because we're actually at a decent size and you have to like actually now have processes how and big are you we're 75 people mm. you know we're a yeah you know, right high f- eight figure revenue company like we're we're good size. Yeah, we're not right. massive,
0: but we're, we're... High eight figures? Yeah, we're not, like, God tiny. Damn.
1: Yeah, right. Um, But uh, but I've always been, like, try shit. So, yeah. like, when I was in sixth grade, I pitched my sixth grade teacher, Mrs. Winkler, um, who's... By the way, being Facebook friends with your elementary school teachers are the is the best. <laughs> I have, like, three or four of them, and, like, seeing that they're actually human beings, right. like, later... They have really, lives? Yes. They yeah. actually have children, and, like, they care about outside things. Of outside marking of marking up your papers? Exactly. But Mrs. Winkler, I pitched I'm like, hey... We're graduating this year. I want to do a film dedicated to our class. She was like, OK. So we did Pennsylvania Jones and the Key to Education, where my buddy Ben was the you know the Pennsylvania version of Indiana Jones. And we used the whole school. We filmed at night. We had like monsters. It was great. But it's sort of like, why not? And if she said no, I'd be like, all right. So we didn't make a film for sixth grade. But instead, we debuted this film at like the sixth grade banquet. It was awesome. Holy shit. That's I wore a tie. Cool. Yeah. Um, <laughs> But I'm always like, try stuff, so I always liked singing, and in high school I was in choirs, and I always wanted to be in a band. I was like, wouldn't it be cool to be a rock star? Like, I'm not that great of a singer, but I'm good enough where I could pull it off. So, like, I found a dude who played guitar, and his name was Mon Pablo Montufar Arroyo, Mm. and he was, like, friends with my crew. He was, like, Ecuadorian-born, played, like, a crazy picking-style guitar, and I'm like, hey, you wanna, like, do some, like, Guns N' Roses at Acoustic Cafe on Thursday night? And he was like, yeah. We did it. And then we started doing Backstreet Boys, and we did Prince, and so we did everything. And then my all my other friends became backup dancers. Hey, so, and they, you they, had backup dancers. Yeah, they were called- That's pra- why you weren't making any money. They were called Pralines and Dick. <laughs> so we had a great time.
0: But that we became just really good friends through that process. Yeah, he sure. was a guitarist. I was lead singer. What's his technical ba- What's his technical background? Or. So he grew up in Ecuador. your technical person was an intern. Yes. Which I love. Yeah,
1: Leo. Leo spoke five languages, six by the time he he left the company, self-taught coder, Mm. Swedish-born Taiwanese dude living in L.A. There you go. There you go. That's what L.A. stands for. The hardest working dude you you literally ever meet. But my my farmer co-founder, which is JP, grew up in Ecuador on a dairy farm, and his uncle owned a rose farm down the street. And even as a sophomore, he was like, I'm going to run a rose farm someday. This is my life's mission. Oh wow. So he studied biochemistry. He got his MBA
0: eventually and then went back to Ecuador. was running a rose farm and that's when we started talking about the business. So this is this is also another reason why I love you and I love your story is because it feels like you, you blend. I think perfectly the um, your personal brand and your personal story like with your company and to where I sometimes feel like that's kind of my thing. I have people involved. Dude, I don't have I don't really have a co founder. I used to be fucking ashamed of it. Right? Like, this You're on your own? yeah, I'm on. Oh, I'm on my own. No one's gonna invest in me. And then I ter- then I t- flipped it. And I was like, No, fuck you. Like, I-, I don't care how you think a company needs to be started. I'll start it how I want to start. And then if I make money, and I'm successful, then people will start giving a shit and start changing the model like you don't need to do this. So like, I don't know if it was Founders Dilemma or YC says this, that 65% of startups fail because co-founder disputes. Wow. Really? Yeah. And I'm like, why push it so hard? And I'm like, because it's so hard to build a startup, I just don't think that you can build a company with two people. And when shit gets really, really hard and you're not making any money and you're not doing it you're not bringing it you're not paying the bills and you really have to pay your bills because your wife or your girlfriend thinks you're pathetic <laughs> I really think and that all that all happens you know so like I really think that two pe- two people cannot be glued or it's rare and then it will happen most of the time ninety seven percent of the time two people cannot be glued to the same idea with the same passion and one always falls off eventually you have the Steve Jobs, the Woz, right? You have Google. Yeah, but right? I think,
1: I, I mean, I guess I'll push back on a little bit. Good.
0: I think all the ways are possible
1: ways. Yeah. So there's okay. certainly not a formula, right? Yeah. I think there are some people for whom they can have a nice long run, but at some point, everyone falls off. Sure. Like, very rarely do you get a Mark Zuckerberg, right? Yeah. You might last seven years, you might last 10, but like, very rarely is it 40. Right. And so, odds are, even in super great success, one of them is going to bow out at some point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, just for reasons. Life. You have a fifth kid and it's like that's sure. too many. Whatever right. it is. Um I, there's it's a double-edged sword, right? Having the person next to you is super helpful in lots of ways. Yeah. Like he leans on me, I lean on him. We I can talk to him about everything and he gets where I'm coming from. Sure. Vice versa, same deal, right? At the same time there's it's harder sometimes. Yeah. I think we should go left. Do you think I should go right? We're equal what do we do um what we did is we were co-founders but i was ceo and he was coo yeah so right okay we knew from day one that if push came to shove it was you my win vote over his but yeah. it never really like we always were generally kind of on the same page because we're pretty similar people he has m- the most integrity of anyone i've ever met in my life sure he's the nicest guy literally if he walked in this room he'd give you a hug and you'd be like oh my god i love him i don't know why i just sure. love him <laughs> everyone loves him because yeah. he's just the sweetest man on earth um, and we we care about the same things. We care about sustainability, we care about the customer, right. we care about the farmer. And so it's not been tough to to be aligned, but you know, but it doesn't mean you have to have a co-founder for sure. I yeah. mean, I just, I, the, for, for the entrepreneurs that I, I advise that don't have one, I try to be that shoulder, that voice, that, That hey, they can cry on. Yeah, just like, hey, yeah. let's have a weekly call just so I can commiserate with you on how impossible it is. Yeah, let's right. So I can be a little bit of an empathetic voice. You can be like, oh, there is someone else in the world that this happened to. It's not just me, and I'm not just terrible. We're all terrible. Dude. I Together.
0: Think that's Yeah, that's that's great advice. I think that I, I had uh, the New York managing partner. I think he's New York managing partner on the show, and he used to be uh, at- From oh, EY? Sorry, yeah, from EY. Oh, that's cool. And we go way back from the- Wait, did you get nominated or win an award for EY Entrepreneur of the Year? I was a finalist- Finalist. Two years ago. Okay. Yeah. It's only a matter of time Brides before made, you get handed one those. Yeah dude i haven't been nominated yet but i keep getting invites i think because they they sense my that you uh, want to hang out and drink the free boost yeah 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 exactly and it's cool you get to meet some of the entrepreneurs and some of the great program kind of assholes at the same time you go all right well i like this guy i like this guy i like this guy i'll remember their names (laughs) so uh and i had him on the show and he goes jeremy you will be fired from your company like you will eventually be fired you will you either want to leave or it will get so big that but you won't want to do it anymore right yeah it's one of the two and he was like i'm i'm very confident uh you'll probably get fired well that's what i was and saying I'm like, like fuck, shit. At,
1: at some point it does happen right yeah. like either you outgrow the company the company outgrows you in some way yeah. and it doesn't necessarily need to be bad that's right? so
0: fr- it's so scary to me because it's like it of is my it child is. it is my same thing. with me dude like uh, it is absolutely
1: true but the ones that go from zero to a billion yeah. is literally one in a billion. Right. Like, I don't understand Mark Zuckerberg. I don't understand how he's a human being that, that exists. <laughs> to go from a dude who, when he started it, was in undergrad. I started mine six years out of business school. Mm. I had a, a career under my belt, and I still made a billion mistakes. Sure. I don't know how you're 18 – now, granted, it is Facebook, so it was a rocket ship. So you sure. ride the rocket ship more than having to try to create it, right? Which is a little yeah. different. Um, I like how you put that, by the way. Well, like there's two, there's two different types of business. Like that, that kind of business, it's way easier to be the forever CEO because all you have to do is not derail it. Like don't yeah. knock the rocket ship off its trajectory. Right. Whereas the normal business, which isn't that, which is 99.8% of them, <laughs> you need to actually
0: like lift it up and
1: carry it. And it's a different skill
0: set, which I think I think it's uh, just folds brilliantly into one of the philosophies I love, which is I'm reading this book called Grit by Angela Duckworth. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Is it uh, up there? Yeah, I have it up here. look at that. And I I absolutely love it. And it's like you the the biggest key to success is your grittiness. Like there's this grittiness scale. Yeah, that was one of the
1: prepared questions you had for me. Yeah, was grit is it. (laughs) Is it
0: what you haven't have you asked, read the production? You yet? haven't
1: asked me a single one yet, but we'll do that one. How about
0: that? I'm telling you, I don't know where these go. You know, I mean? I'm trying to <laughs> find the- I'm trying to find the you questions I sent you? you. I got it. for you. I'm hair. like, my God, like that's
1: I, but, I, I but, like that. Though. Look, it, it, founders, entrepreneurs need to have a lot of things. Yeah, Um, they need to be salespeople. At least one of them does. They, they have to be smart. They have to have a great concept. They have all these things. Yeah. The number one thing you have to have is is a, is a button or, or a mode that is you just refuse to stop. Ah, uh, sure. And that that is a boon for a very long time in a journey. And at some point it becomes bad because you keep pushing when the world and the market might be telling you to stop. Sure. But it
0: doesn't get to that point where you have the luxury of having that conversation without you being that way. Tell me when when do you think you should when when do you think the market what are some key signs where the market is telling you to stop? Yeah,
1: I mean, so it doesn't mean that you have to leave the company or that you have to stop as an individual. It means that your approach has to change Mm -hmm. if it can. Yeah, right. And this is one of the things that I'm evaluating for me right now is can I do I want to? Mm. And will I be the most effective one if I'm able to, which is I think where you start to have those questions right about like where do I go from here Um, because I thrived and loved and was amazing as I may say so myself at the first three years (laughs) I was freaking great at it sure like point and shoot crazy ideas off the wall Facebook posts bold proclamations in important meetings whatever and I was really good in my career at Disney where there was 200,000 employees reporting to my boss's boss's boss, right? Sure. I was really good in those two worlds. I've literally never operated in any world in between that. <laughs> I have no zero experience at a company larger than 75 and smaller than 200,000. Yeah, right. And so it's just a big bunch of unknown that you sort of have to figure out. So how do you, the market, what are the signals you're looking for, right? One is um, you, uh, you're not happy. You mm-hmm. mentioned earlier, like the, the guy from, yeah, from yeah. EY said, right. like, you're just going to be miserable. You're not going to to go. Yeah. Like you're not having fun doing what you're doing. Right. It doesn't mean that it's always fun in the early days or at this stage or whatever. No, it's fucking hard. It's really hard all yeah. the time, but there's a certain itch that's being scratched for, right. for you right now. Right? As you, right. as you get up every day and you build this thing. Yeah. And at some point if that you don't feel like you're scratching
0: that same itch anymore, but you still have that itch. Great sign. Agreed. Right. If, you know, uh, but to be tr- to be honest, I have a hard time articulating that to people. Like when I go home, if I'm being honest, some days where I feel like all I want to do—and I do, man—I drive up, and we live in Toluca Lake, so just right over the hill, and I drive on Mulholland. I'm like overly emotional. Like I'll watch a trailer to a movie. I watched it just trailer to uni- Unicorn Store, and I'm oh, like, yeah. oh yeah, <laughs> I get it. Do you know what I mean? I'm like, fuck. It's because you're you're, it's because it's
1: all the way up here, right? You have literally nothing left. Yeah, right. You're emotionally drained. You're emotionally spent every single day because you're throwing everything of you are into this thing, which is the most alive you ever feel. But it leaves no room for you. Agreed. And that's Mm. the hard ass part about it. Yeah. And we all think that we're not important. And so we sacrifice ourselves, which is really unhealthy. I've done a lot
0: of it. I still do a lot of it for the isn't it? Is it healthy for the business, unhealthy for the person?
1: It's really unhealthy for the person. I think sometimes the business needs it. Sometimes the business doesn't need it, but we think it needs it, so we just keep going. Interesting, right? Yeah, sure. Um, so going back to like the signals, another is your business doesn't keep growing as fast, right? Yeah. The metrics change, the trajectory changes, um, and that doesn't mean again that you have to leave, but maybe your approach needs to change. Maybe the things that you did in years one and two are no longer applicable in years ten and eleven, right? If you're still there at that point, right? Right. Um, and and I think the last part is is the, do you feel at home in the company every day, right? When you walk in the door, do you feel like it's your company or do you feel like it's this other thing and you're just sort of living in it, (laughs) right? And and I've had both feelings in my company. Like I've had days where I feel like this is exactly what I've always wanted it to be. And I've had days where I kind of feel like an alien and I'm looking around this planet being like, what's going on here, right? (laughs) But it's not because there's anything wrong with it. It's just different than it was in those, you know, in the first two years when it's like seven people and you, I literally know your aunt's cousins, roommates name and that their dog just died. And I want to send them some flowers. It's just very different than when you have a team of seventy. you
0: just can't know 70 people the way you can know seven do you and
1: two fifty and 500 and a thousand is so totally different from there.
0: Do you, did you see a lot of change in turnover within those same seven people outside of your co-founder who's still there? Um, me, myself and I, so three now, um, I <laughs>
1: my co-founder m- myself and two people, kind of okay. two others. One of them is like part time with us still okay. has a full time gig somewhere else. and still helps out and the other okay. ones still full time. That's cool. Um, but yeah, most, most of them moved on. I mean, most I, of them found something. They got a great couple of years of experience two, three years, and then leapfrogged to another gig. Absolutely. Some of them moved
0: to other cities. You know whatever it might be i love that so let me let me get to this because uh i don't want to take all your fucking time and you're too great uh okay so i like this question all right I found oh we're the, back to the list i found awesome. the production sheet congratulations all right thanks i win <laughs> uh born or built and we kind of hinted at this so like do you think entrepreneurs are born or are forged from the fire yeah so
1: I think there are certain things that you have to be to be good at it slash able to do it. Mm-hmm. And the, the biggest one of those is obstinance, grit, stubbornness, whatever you want to call it, right? Because if, if you're sort of, if, if there's a zero to 10 scale for that and you're like a six, you're going to bail at some point. Yeah, sure. Because you're, it's not a rational reason you keep going. It's not because you feel fulfilled and energized. It's not, it's not for any reason other than you refuse to let it go. Sure. And so I th- and I think that's largely intrinsic. You can be a really hard worker and be a great employee at a startup. You can be a really hard worker and work at lots of places. But being a founder, if you don't have that, just it could be the worst of the worst. And you're still going to believe and you're still going to fight. And the problem with that trait, by the way, is you can also be like grinding at something that's going to go nowhere ever and waste a lot of time because you refuse to give up. And right. so you have to refuse to give up until you, you really need to give up. That's what I, I agree. I agree but that, with but that. How you find out that point, I don't know because I haven't I haven't had to do that. We've actually been pretty darn successful. But like I don't know, and I say that to people, I'm like, look, this is a terrible personal lifestyle choice. <laughs> it, <laughs> it really is. It is. is. Right. You will never sleep again. You will think about this every second of every day, even when you're in the midst of really important personal moments. You'll be worrying about it. Yep. It will cause you to be stressed it will cause you to gain weight it will cause you to live less long it will cause a lot of bad things for you as an individual you will likely deal with mental health issues you would likely deal with personal relationship issues where you're yelling at your girlfriend um, your in the spouse. on new year's eve saying your spouse <laughs> saying like shut the f up i got to get my mom to buy something for me yeah, right now right right. like it will cause you to do stuff that isn't great yeah um and so don't choose it lightly it is yep. not for everyone and that that is not meaning that words more special than anyone it's just that you should be built a certain way to be okay to take all that pain. Yeah, and I don't yeah, know why you're that way. I don't um, know why I'm that way. Yeah. I don't think it's actually good for any of us, but I think yeah. it's required. Um, unless again, you have Facebook or Uber, and it's just going to go up into the right no matter what you do. Jesus. In which case, then it's just you just get really rich really fast, and you get to hang out, and it's really it's still really hard and really stressful. But like, it's different. You're not having to lift it up every day, right? <laughs> yeah. And everyone should hope for one of those because that's just like, life's great. Yeah, I, You cash I, out in year two yep. at a $100 million valuation. Yeah. <laughs> if it all goes to shit, you have $50 million bucks in the bank, and it's like,
0: oh, okay. Yeah, right?
1: Yeah, we, we run Snapchat. Yeah, it's fine. Yeah, we
0: exited $500 million later. it's like it's fine.
1: So yeah, I think that is that, that trait is needed, and I think that's largely born. I don't think that's built. Okay, perfect. But there's a bunch of other traits I think uh-huh. that could be on either side of it that are also really important right? flexibility um, empathy the ability to sell like those things can be learned you can be sure more naturally good at them or, right. or you can learn them but there's a million other traits that can be learned but I think if you don't have the grit one I, I love that you're reading that book um, have you read it I have not okay, okay. Um, but uh, I think that I think that one is you 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 can have all the other ones and if you don't have that it's over
0: if you don't have grit. Uh, so that's the that's the best I, advice. You gotta have.
1: It. And by the way, if you want to go work at a startup, you should also have grit. Like, okay, yeah, it doesn't need to be the same level as the founder, because it's not all sitting on your individual shoulders. But the amount of pressure put on you the amount of responsibility you have the amount of impact you have
0: as a result of that responsibility is much higher than like a normal gig. Can I let me let me ask you a question? Yeah. Was there a question on the Oh, that's a great answer? Is there a question on the production sheet that you wanted to be asked?
1: That I wanted to
0: be asked. You got to be honest. All right, let me see. Uh, that I would love that if you would go and see it, and go, oh yeah, I know I want to be that.
1: podcast one. notes. So when did you know you were an entrepreneur?
0: Happy to answer it. Oh shit! Wouldn't yeah. say that I. That's a great one. Yeah. Who I, wrote that question? Yeah, I don't yeah, know. It wasn't yeah. me. Some brilliant person.
1: <laughs> um. When did you know? I think I knew in year three,
0: year three of your company. Yeah, I was gonna say. Yeah, I was gonna say. Shit, I knew when I was like seven.
1: Oh yeah, no, no, no. I way. didn't know at all because I figured wow, to be an entrepreneur, okay. I had to actually build something that was gonna last beyond you know a certain period oh, of time. Interesting. And so, like in the early days, I felt like I was just trying it out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And if it worked, great. And then I was an entrepreneur. And if it didn't, I probably wasn't one. <laughs> and so, yeah, year three.
0: Um let's see that's a great question okay did you like that is that a good one yeah it was good all right check this out yep you got another
1: one no no go for it okay i wouldn't say there's one i want to answer more than all the others
0: okay good i'd say the some are harder than the others some are harder
1: yeah yeah shit but
0: i don't know i don't even know what (laughs) i'm saying i'm telling you (laughs) oh here it flows you know (laughs) what i mean i'm trying to fucking find it on my computer there you go oh okay here we go oh my god oh i know what this was okay Uh, I felt, I felt hurried and pressured to come up with some questions. Like I gotta, I gotta get this to him. I gotta get this to her. So I was like, shit, I'll just go. And I go, oh, oh, that was a good one. Oh, that was a good, (laughs) oh, that's a good question. And then I started writing it. Okay. Shit. Okay. All right. Let's read the, all right. Everyone. I want to, I want to ask this. Uh, so shark tank. I, I am looking at it and I'm watching it and I'm going these, I've stopped watching it and my wife watches it with me and I'm like. Oh, my God. If I've got to watch another fake, dramatic bullshit about... I love you didn't make a deal, by the way. We ended up making a deal later. No, I know. With Robert. Yeah, yeah Robert. And do you want to go into that story tad? Sure. Go yeah, into yeah. that story.
1: I'll tell you the whole thing. So Shark Tank was great. I, I think it's like literally the best thing you can ever do as an entrepreneur with a consumer product. I don't think there's a better... Thing you could possibly yeah a company a product then go on shark tank god damn it it still today has four million viewers you could never yeah. pay for that amount of sure. exposure but they do take equity don't they um so i remember there being rumors that at one point they took equity no matter what yeah it was not the case for me i cannot speak to
0: anybody else's experience why was that not the case here you were better than everyone no i i
1: i think i believe the season that i was on that was
0: not the way they oh, did it but i don't so know early.
1: What years before that or what years after that they did or did not do that but i know that my season it was not a thing um and so yeah went on the show was not sure if i wanted to go on the show primarily because i like we had a set valuation because we'd already raised money we'd raised 1.7 million dollar seed round oh and so i couldn't really negotiate and i was afraid of that thing where they go like you're only on here for the pr you're a jerk i hate Mm -hmm, you i didn't mm -hmm. want to be like personally embarrassed or them to think i wasn't genuine i would have loved to take their money I just couldn't change the price because I'd already closed the round. Right, sure. And so I was nervous about them editing it to make it look that way, or the sharks feeling <laughs> yeah. that way, or whatever. So I was like, I held off. Like I got accepted, and I was like, I don't know if I want to go on or not. Yeah. Um, and at the last minute, I decided to go on. Rolled over. The nice thing about living in LA is you just roll over to Culver City. Yep. It, you get hair and makeup. You jump in there for an hour, an hour and a half, and then you leave. And like that's the whole thing. It uh, wasn't my phone, people. Um, <laughs> my phone's on silent. <laughs> I'm a good guest. How dare you? How dare you, so rude. Um, in that, the middle of my Shark dude, Tank story. Dude,
0: I am on that was my fucking <laughs> Apple Watch. The Apple I don't even know how to turn this on silent.
1: Look, everybody, it's not me, it's my technology. Fuck!
0: Um, I silenced my phone. (laughs) (laughs) Let me apologize. What happened this morning, by the way. I I woke up at 3 a.m. and I couldn't go back to bed.
1: This is the worst. This is the worst.
0: Because you were just dreading coming on the show. Yeah, I was just so nervous to see you again. (laughs) I was like, he
1: hates me because I gave him terrible advice five years ago. No, no, I I was just awake, and I was just like digging around on Facebook or whatever, and my phone's on silent. Mm. And then I... One of those stupid things that auto plays the video and the audio, even though you're on silent happened. And I woke my wife up and she's so mad at me. Oh. And I felt so bad. Cause like yep. I I know that's the worst. Like you're in yep. a deep sleep. And I'm just like, son of a like, yeah, no. Yeah. Stop Get- talking about Notre Dame. Like, I care, <laughs> but not not so much when I wake up my wife.
0: Did she go to Notre Dame with you? No. Oh, okay. No, we met in a karaoke bar in Chicago. Okay, got gotcha. you. Now go. that's a story. That's like, a good story.
1: The way my wife and I met is the most <laughs> epic. Literally the most epic story of how anyone's ever met in history. Do you want to tell it? I I will tell it. Okay, go. Let me finish Shark Tank. Okay, okay. Um, So went on the show. The filming is really actually hard because they filmed for a long time. I was in the tank for an hour and 45 minutes. Oh, shit. Lights on you. They pepper you with questions. They all talk at the same time because they're all individually mic'd, And so they can just hit you with questions. And that makes you do this stupid thing where you look like an idiot where you're like, "Uh, Oh, uh," yeah, right. Because they're all talking at the same time. And so um, did the, the thing. They beat me up. I think largely it was because of price, but they had feedback. And then I, I walked out with no deal. But then um, the show went on. We sold out of everything. We did like a half million dollars in literally 30 minutes of sales. Wow. And we had no flowers left. We were like, they're all, they're done. Amazing. Six of us, were like running around trying to like keep sure. up with all the emails. Why is this sold out? All that kind of stuff is crazy. And, uh, and then, yeah, so aired, great result. Love Shark Tank, best thing ever. Three years later, Robert, I'm sitting at my desk and it's like 2.59 I have a three o'clock call. With someone whose number I don't have. Three years later. Yes, three years after it airs. Wow. Okay. Um, or maybe two years after it airs. Three years since we filmed, and my phone rings, and I answer the phone. I think it's my three o'clock meeting. It's like, hey, John, this is Robert from Shark Tank. Just like that. Just like like that. he's on. Like. Yeah. He, like all the energy, all the Robert Herzogekness <laughs> that he could muster, and I was like, uh, hi. Like I thought it was my three o'clock call and he just launches into this thing where he's getting married and he's getting quoted flower prices. They're outrageous. He remembers our set design and how beautiful oh. it was. And he thought maybe I could do a deal with a, you know, a shark tank alum company. And I was like, cool. So we met his fiance now wife, Kim Johnson, and we showed her all the stuff. She loved it. We showed him the pricing. They loved it. And in that process, he got to know our business and was like, mm. can I still invest? And I'm like, well, we're actually closing at the time it was our, our $24 million Series C. You could be a part of that so he jumped on board and so we're the only company in the history of shark tank to get a yes after in the tank getting it. the no.
0: only hist in history. in history yeah oh wow yeah. there we go
1: and so uh his
0: historian yeah
1: he's, he's i'm not a historian <laughs> but i'm historical
0: <laughs> if, <laughs> i guess shark tank historian but hold on a sec if we know that yeah shark tank historian yeah i could tell you so the if we know but... that history that yeah. makes you a historian I so. right <laughs> i guess yeah i, I think so
1: know. so um so how my wife and I met. So it's, it's going to go for a minute, but you're going to like it. And this is nothing to do with business, but it has everything to do with business. And I'll it tell does. you why afterwards. Sure, okay, go.
0: Um, we'll wrap it up in a bow.
1: Yeah, yeah. Sure. So I met my wife the first time on Thursday night karaoke at Clark Bar, which is now closed in Chicago. Okay. And it was this divey little tiny bar we went to. We went to it every Tuesday did karaoke got drunk. Um, she went every Thursday. And this night we happened to go out on a Thursday, and we went to like happy hour and had uh, margaritas as big as your head at this place called Lalo's downtown. I had like three of them, and I was, it was like a lot of booze. And I'm not a big guy. Um, and we go, then we were like, "Let's go to Clark Bar, karaoke. We'll go see, uh, we'll go see the crew." And so we show up, and I'm singing. I sing. I I, I was in yep, a band, so I sing. Up, true. I was singing my go-to "Build Me Up," Buttercup, which yep. is like one of my one of my repertoire. And, my go-to
0: uh, is "Under the Boardwalk." nice it's a good one it's legit
1: yeah. yep. it's a crowd pleaser and i see my wife walk up to the bar and I, I remember that i will remember that moment for the rest of my life i was like while i'm singing i'm going i hope that she's not doesn't get served before i finish my song because then i'm gonna go up and try to buy her a drink and so i finished song she's still there waiting i go up next to her i'm like hey i'm john can i buy a drink she's like actually i'm here on a date and she like points to some Aww. dude in the corner and it was like a quadruple date it was like her three friends and their th- buddies or whatever yeah. I was like, ah, oh, like that's okay. I could buy a drink anyway. And she's yeah. like, no, it's okay. And she leaves. <laughs> so I'm not meeting her at that moment. That was your first foray in entrepreneurship, I guess. Yeah. You know, sales. Th- not, not accepting no, right? <laughs> um, and so then I go and I have some more drinks with my buddies. And she's like walking by later. I'm like, hey, you want to dance? And I grab her. I'm like swing dancing with her like horribly for like 30 seconds. And she's like, no, I'm on a date. Remember? I was like, okay. I was like, remember, remember this? She comes by again later. I'm like, hey, like talk to us for a little bit. I bring her into my group. We're like we're chatting. Um, I've asked her her name three times at this point. I've forgotten it each time. Cause oh, uh, great. Because that's how you meet. Yes. Yeah. This is how you meet a wife. Right. Um, I Just drinking. Just too much. And uh, she leaves again. And then finally, like, she leaves the bar with her crew. I remember the door closing quietly, I, the snow falling through the glass in, like, a cold February winter night in Chicago. And just looking at her, like, literally turn the corner from the door and just being like, oh, man, like, that's a bummer. I really wanted to, like... Go out with that girl. Mm. And 20 minutes later, she walks back in the bar, comes up to me and goes, let me give you my number. No fuck off. Yeah. But here, what? it gets, it gets Okay, there. okay. I had forgotten her name, but I didn't want to ask again because I thought, what an amazing girl. She came back. I'm not going to remember her name in this moment. If I ask her again, she might just walk out. Mm-hmm. So I put her name in my phone as a bunch of random letters that started with a Z because then I knew it would be at the end of my phone because this was a late night. We ended up out till like 4 a.m. Sure. So the next morning, called in sick to work, just overboozed, and underslept. And, uh, and woke up and was like, oh, I met that girl. She was super cute. I can't wait to go out with her. And I'm scrolling through my phone looking for a new name. And I'm scrolling and scrolling and scrolling until I get to see it. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I totally forgot her name. <laughs> so it's, I let the weekend go by because you can't call too fast, right? And on Monday, I go to my friend Sarah. I'm like, Sarah, I have a problem. I met this girl. I don't know her name, but I really want to go out with her. She's like, "What do you mean you got her? You got her number? What's it say in your phone?" I'm like, "Here." And I show her. It's like CXPTQ. <laughs> she's like, "Why'd you do that?" I'm like, "I don't know. Yeah. It wasn't in my right mind." And uh, she's like, "Well, call during the day cuz then it'll go to voicemail cuz she's at work." I was like, "Brilliant idea." Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I go into my boss's office. He was out of town. I go in and dial the number and I get the ring 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 and then it goes click, click. "Hi. This is Kelly, Karen and Aaron. None of us are home right now." <laughs> She had an answering machine and an (laughs) apartment number in 2002. And so I hang up and I'm like, I go back to Sarah. I'm like, Sarah, I don't know which of the three it is. We've narrowed it down from all the names in the universe to Kelly, Karen, and Aaron. And I have no idea which one of the three it is. And she's like, well, you can't. she's over. Like, you can't, you don't know. I was like, it's not over. I went back in the office. I called up the number again. I got the the message. I go, hey, Kelly, Karen, and Aaron, this is John. And I met one Mm -hmm. of you three on Thursday night. I don't know which one but you're blonde you're super cute you're wearing a white sweater we swing dance you were on a date but i didn't really think you really were and then you came back and gave me your number i know that this is click and it cuts me off I dial it again de- 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 de, f- picks up again so we had a great time i you know i'm really sorry i forgot your name but like i had a couple too many drinks but i really think we'd have a great time if we're not click cuts me off again dial back a third time hey this is mikey from swingers here's my phone number hang up Go back to Sarah. Tell her what I did. Sarah's like, that that woman is never calling you. Ever. (laughs) Calls me that night. Nice. And the reason she called me was her good friend Karen goes, look, if a dude wants to hang out with you that badly, that he's willing Mm -hmm. to embarrass himself that much, you should just call him and see what's up. Oh, my gosh. So that Friday we got on a date. We have a great time. And I never call her again. Because I had sort of started dating another girl. (laughs) It wasn't like... A girlfriend but it was date number four or five and i was never a dude who would date two people at once sure and so i knew this other woman lovely woman i won't say her name but great woman and i was like this is, might be going somewhere and i don't know if i want to you know date two people at once and so i just didn't call her again hmm. and a year and a half passes and i'm in line i, I dated that, that girl for maybe a couple months three months or whatever i'm single again I got accepted at UCLA, I was moving away in four months, and I'm standing in line at this uh, bar called the Lions Pub, and my wife now, Kelly, walks up and she goes, JC. I'm like, no, JT, but close enough. Kelly, she's like, yeah. We hung out every single day from that point until I left LA. No way. When I left, I asked her to move out because I was gonna marry her, she said no. I kept asking her about two months in, she said sure, a year later, like nine months later, she moved out. She said no the first time. Oh, she said no like a bunch of times. Nice. Like, not the first time like seven times <laughs> like for no, the, have the a life, for the proposal or j- th- no just to move to oh, LA you, okay. like i wasn't ready i wasn't going right. to do the proposal thing from remote i was got like you. come out to LA like let's just hang out and if not i'll come back to chicago i'll wait like yeah. just uh, you're the person i'm going to marry i just we'll, we'll figure this out later <laughs> she kept saying no 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 after two three months of me asking she finally said yes she moved out nine months later we got engaged a year after that married a year after that we've been married 11 years three kids congratulations and man. persistence and grit man
0: persistence and grit and a little bit of luck because she had to walk up to me in that line if not you know I had blown it let me ask you this that sounds like it was meant to be I I choose to think that everything is meant I believe that God made me five seven because no one would like me if I were like a regular height <laughs> Do you know what I mean I'd be too confident I'd be too off by the ch- way
1: my height at five eight and three-quarter is a constant joke on our podcast oh my Which, God. by the way people listening is called give them the biz oh yeah Plugging it, give them the biz. Give them the biz. It's nice. on iTunes and Podcast One and all that. Kind we'll of stuff. plug it on the website um, too. But uh, but yeah,
0: I, I just could never crack five nine, which is average. So Damn I'm just it. like, just not quite average, dude. I'm to be honest, I'm five six and three quarters. <laughs> You're rounding up. So like, I, I round like up it. all the time just to get there. You I know, like it. but fuck it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I believe things happen for a reason. I
1: agree. Look, there's only one way that it all could happen because it's the way it did happen. Yeah. Right?
0: No matter what you do, like right now, I could
1: say seven, and I thought of nine before that but i said seven so the only way the only thing that could have happened was seven because that's what i said in that moment right <laughs> so, so in, right. in retrospect there's only one way it could happen whether it's preordained or not i don't think it really matters it's the way it happened and so i'm thankful it did
0: because she's a great woman i love it. lucky okay rapid fire all right let's do it and then you get you can get the fuck out of here all right all right ready uh wait no shit wait hurry up best advice you've given that is bullshit best advice i've been given or yeah, i've given you've been given Best advice I've been that given- That you think is complete garbage. That I think
1: is complete garbage. Okay. Um, this is something I did early in the company. I, I I took all these readings about transparency as leadership, and I took it literally. And in the early days of my company, I was so transparent. And it turned out that actually, actually being transparent, like to the full truth, people don't want it. So uh-huh. as an example, I- I'd hire people. I would tell them, here's my offer. It's under market, but you're getting equity. You're getting an amazing opportunity. People would come on board. Mm. I would talk about that while they were in the building. Like you guys are all worth more in the world than what we're paying you, what we can pay you. We don't have that much money. Um, that was supposed to be motivating for them because I was being transparent and because it meant that everything was in the equity. Yeah. Right. That didn't work for very long. Once you got past seven or eight people, that became negative and people felt like they were being mistreated and underpaid. Uh. And so I was being fully transparent, which is like we all, I I took a 85% pay cut to start this company. Sure. Right. Like I was in the first nine months, I made zero. And then after that I had taken just a massive pay cut. So to me that was just the way it was. And we're all in this together. We're going to make our equity worth something. And it worked for like a little bit, but at some point, that super honest transparency became a negative. Got and it you. actually hurt the culture of the company. So it's like transparency within reason is the right thing. Like b- brutal honesty or fully transparent is actually not great advice. You want to be transparent to the point that is healthy and helpful for your company. You don't need to be fully honest all the time about everything. And I have troubles with that because yep. I will say it like it is. And yeah, sometimes that bites me. That. Right in the butt. I mean, mm-hmm. I've gotten feedback from people as the company's grown, like, hey, you got to play the game a little more. You got to put on that buttoned up look. You got to like be the professional. And I'm kind of like, why? Yep. This is who I am. This got us here. Right. But there's a, there's a world in which that veneer, that professional demeanor becomes more uh, impactful than your passionate, crazy founder self. Got you. And that transformation has to happen at some point if you can.
0: Yeah. Right? I'm not looking forward to it, but I get it. I always say that uh, when a company to gets to like an HR, I just want to sell it.
1: You don't have to. You can you know? just sell it. Yeah. Especially if you're not taking a bunch of venture capital, you do whatever you yeah, want. right. right?
0: I, that's what I mean. I want to I want to have majority stake. I think it's very important to me because I'm a control motivated founder. I yeah. mean, think about it. Uh, if you can get a $10 million exit with 100% ownership, it's right. the same thing as getting a $100 million exit with 10% ownership. Tell me th- how the fuck does like Evan Spiegel and all these people structure their deals early on? to walk away when it goes public and still own, major- yeah, well, or the those, Thanos girl.
1: Yeah, but again, those things, they have so much power because they're this rocket ship that is mm, so rare, sure. right? Like those guys, because of what they created, the user numbers were unlike anything anybody had ever seen, literally way faster than Facebook, way faster than anything else at like Twitter. And so that they had so much power because of what they had. Got so you. they were able to structure a deal that like the average entrepreneur could never get. And You're, so that's sure? very rare. But you should try to protect yourself as much as you can along the way if you're raising money, for sure. But those guys just, they were sitting on, I mean, a literal Scrooge McDuck swim in the pool gold mine. I agree. That's a good one. Which, by the way, Bill, Bill, cousin Bill on our podcast loves to say that if you actually dove into that, you'd break your neck because it'd be solid rock.
0: (laughs) I think if you fall from a certain height, you'd break your neck, right? It's like just in water yes you know
1: but but if you're like even just like 10 feet off you dive into a pool of pennies it's that's just true. gonna yeah that's hard. not happened it's gonna Thanks, hurt Don, yeah, what's,
0: yeah. His, what's the uncle scrooge yeah yeah, yeah. scrooge mcduck scrooge mcduck yeah, yeah. okay uh bunch of liars on duck <laughs> <laughs> how dare they those fucking animators <laughs> all right uh proving them wrong or proving them right right okay cool raising money or chasing revenue chase revenue to raise money all right hedger Okay, <laughs> eighty or four hour work week. Eighty. <clears throat> I don't want it, but I think it's
1: necessary. Yeah. I just don't believe four is possible. Right. If I, if it's I could, not. that'd be great. But I don't get it. Yeah. When I, I hum- 50 million in the bank. Maybe. Human
0: chat or chat bots. Human. All the way, man. Uh, progress or polish. Progress. Love it. Okay. And the last question is: If your business, if you had, if your business was a newspaper, okay. What would the front page headline be? Front page headline if our business like describing
1: the business or like what it's whatever. like to run it. It's your newspaper, whatever. man.
0: You're running this newspaper. Uh,
1: volcano Flowers question mark no way exclamation point.
0: <laughs> I love that. Picture of <laughs> the volcano. It's exploding and there's flowers <coughs> shooting out of it. There we go. Yeah. Okay. I am Jeremy Redman. He is John Tabas.
1: Yeah, check, check find, you can find me on LinkedIn, yeah. love LinkedIn. I don't know. Uh, LinkedIn's
0: good. Love LinkedIn, um, at John
1: G. Tavis on Twitter. I don't really use it that much, to be honest. Same thing on Instagram. Uh, Give them The Biz is the podcast, at Give them The Biz, G-I-V-E-M, The Biz, on on social. You can find it on iTunes, you can find it on um, Podcast one.com and then uh, books.com, B-O-U-Q-S.com, sustainable flowers from a volcano or amazing farms around the
0: world. Boom. Thanks Thanks for having me, man. Remember, we are not in this to be right or wrong. We're in this to be interesting. Enjoy, and we'll see you next time.
1: Not boring.